Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's show, I have Dane Bentley. Dane is, uh, we grew up together in Buffalo, New York. Not really together, but we played travel across together when we were younger, um, stayed in touch. And then Dane is a former Geneseo lacrosse player, and he is now living in Denver, Colorado, and is a mortgage loan originator. Dane, my guy, how are we doing? Doing great, John. Thanks for, thanks for having me on the show, man. It's good to be here. Of course, of course. So, um, you know, we kind of we kind of lost touch like once we all like went our separate ways after travel across and we all went to college and did our thing. And then uh, I randomly saw you out one night in Denver, which was yeah. I didn't even know you were living <laughs> there at the time. And then uh, we went out right before I left Denver. We went out for beers and then just uh, stayed in touch since then. So like uh, that's that's pretty much that. Yeah, man, How, uh, it was uh, it's crazy. It's been like, you know, 10 years or whatever since since high school and we were playing travel for, for, uh, for champion back in the day. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's been a crazy ride since then. I mean, um, always wanted to play college across, didn't really know what I wanted to do in college or after college, um, was, was decently recruited out of high school, got a ton of D2, D3 looks and, um, really wanted to go out West. Uh, I was originally from the West coast. I uh, was born in gig Harbor, bounced around a bit um in gig harbor washington that is um so i went out and played division two lacrosse in san francisco in the bay area I was playing at notre dame dane Muir university small little private uh jesuit school that, that gave me a good chunk of change and it was beautiful i loved california uh the coach kind of sucked and uh, you know school wasn't wasn't what i thought it would be and um you know it wasn't great academically it was still pretty expensive actually got kicked off the team with like two games left because uh you know i got in some trouble being a dumb 18 year old freshman in the dorms and whatnot. So at that point, um, you know, lacrosse was the only thing on my mind. Um, you know, need to get my grades up. I didn't really go to class too, too much my freshman year. I think I had like a <laughs> one point, I think I had like a 1.7 GPA. And, um, my mom was like, you're coming back home. You know, you're, you're coming back to New York. If you want me to help you can, you know, support you in college, like we're not doing this anymore. And so, uh, emailed, uh, actually flew back was flying back and I stopped in Colorado because my brother lived, he had lived here for like 10 years, my older brother, Bo. Um, and we went like snowboarding. It was like Cinco de Mayo, you know, we were, we we're shredding a basin in, um, in, in May and it was great. And I think when I got on the plane to fly back to Buffalo for the summer, I shot Chuck Wilbur. He's the, he was the former head coach at Onondaga community college that, um, you know, kind of brought them, from nothing to to dynasty champions and longest win streak in college across but shot an email and said hey uh looking to get my grades up you know any shot um you know you got room for me on the team next year and he responded in like five minutes i couldn't believe it He was like yeah can you come visit in two weeks um you know why don't you come meet coach nick gatto he's going to show you around we lost a lot of offense that year they really didn't uh they, you know they lost randy stats who uh lacrosse people they know who that yeah. is probably yeah exactly player in junior college history um, you know, it still had t- Tim Barber, Vaughn Harris, and um, Tyson Bell was on. He was a freshman on my team when I when I transferred. But went to Onondaga, had an awesome experience, got my grades up, um, you know, got my grades up, played incredible lacrosse. You know, I was getting beaten up by Tyson every day in practice, and we didn't lose a single game. Won the JUCO National Championship. And at that point, I wasn't sure, um, you know, what I wanted to do in terms of future – lacrosse uh, lacrosse and academics you know I had two years to go to graduate at least um so I stuck around on Daga for a third semester and uh you know I had some good looks um after that um but I kind of was more focused on school you know I want to get a good degree um you know I was kind of over didn't want to play division two or division one and have practice all the time and be a full-time job so reached out to some schools you know I considered Tampa but it's too expensive and you know d2 lifestyle and got in touch with the Geneseo coach and, um, you know, coach Wilbur really helped me out with him. And, um, you know, I didn't get in off of grades, um, but the coach got me in and then, you know, transferred to Geneseo 20, I think it was 2015, took a semester off of lacrosse. Cause I knew it was going to take me five years to graduate. I wanted to play my last two. Um, and then I just had, you know, the most unforgettable experience at Geneseo from the people I met, you know, two of those guys I, I played with, they live with me here in Denver. Um, I still stay in touch with all those guys, you know, we're, we're best friends, super close to the community. Wasn't the best lacrosse experience there. The coach that got me into the school and, 
um, took me in when I transferred, he actually got fired that year. So I had four different head coaches <laughs> for all four years of my, my college across experience. But um, coach Fiorentino came in or kind of changed things around and, you know, got us all new gear. And, um, you know, he took us to our first Suniac playoff in, I don't know, six or seven years. Um, so that was pretty sweet. Um, you know, overall weird college across experience, but the people I met and the places I, I went, um, you know, could never, I would go back and do it all over again in a heartbeat. Um, so fast forward to, Am I talking too much, John? You got to say something here. No, 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 no. You're good. I love it. Most, most, sometimes people talk, sometimes people don't. But when you get rolling, just fucking let okay. it fly. I'll, I'll okay. Lie. Yeah. For sure. Um, so then, uh, you know, Geneseo is, you know, people from New York know it's a, it's a pretty good academic school. Um, a lot of my friends had plans to go to law school or, or medical school or go get their CPA or, you know, um, you know, they had jobs lined up in New York City or, whatever the case, I was kind of the complete opposite. I studied psychology. Uh, didn't want to go back to school. Uh, I knew I wanted to go west. And um, I knew my cousin, uh, my cousin Hunter, uh, he's from, he's been living in Washington, you know, his whole life, born and raised. And um, he did this crazy thing where he, he went to Bristol Bay, Alaska, and he worked on a commercial salmon fishing boat for two summers while he was in college. And we chit-chatted about it a little bit. And he was like, yeah, man, I mean, that's the hardest work I've ever done and ever will do in my life, but it's a life-changing experience and it's good money. Um, so I, I bugged him. I said, hey, get me, get me on one of those boats. And he's like, are you sure, man? You sure you want to do this? Like, I was like, yeah, fuck it. I don't know what I'm doing after college. I'll go make some money and go check out Alaska. I've always wanted to go to Alaska. I love the outdoors. Um, and I just, you know, watching YouTube videos, it was just, it looked hardcore. You know, these guys go out there, they're living on a boat for five straight weeks there's no bathroom. There's no shower. You're eating sockeye salmon every single day. You're, you know, you're working 16 to 20 hours a day and you don't spend any money because you're not, you know, you're not doing anything. You're just working on this boat. And I thought it was a good detox, you know, after five years of college, you know, no booze, no girls, no weed, no homework. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of, kind of did a little soul searching out in Alaska and, and, um, I drove to Boulder two weeks after I graduated from Geneseo, hung out in Boulder for like a week. My best friend from high school, George, he went to CU Boulder. He was graduating that week. So, you know, we partied. We went to like Grateful Dead at Folsom Field. They played with John Mayer. We went with, with George's parents and my brother. Fuck. It was a great time, man. Such a good concert. It was it was unreal. That was my first concert in Colorado, too. And it was just like, you know, awesome, like evening, like sun setting over the mountains, you know, Grateful Dead jamming with John Mayer. It was a sick show. And then – uh Flew to Alaska for six weeks um, and was on that boat for five of the weeks. Didn't shower for like four straight weeks. Got pretty gnarly. Yeah, I grew, fuck up, that. Grew, I grew, grew out a long red beard. I didn't even know I had. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Um, and it was just crazy, man. It was, I mean, there's 20 hours of sunlight a day there. And, you know, I, I went, we caught 111,000 pounds of sockeye salmon. And, you know, I saw, I saw beluga whales. I saw, sea otters i saw caribou you know we were catching pike in the lake before we went out on the boat and um just kind of a culture shock kind of seeing how you know some of those native alaskans they do that for two months out of the year and that's their whole income for the rest of the year um and it's just a cool kind of eye-opener like the guy who owned the the boat that i worked on he had two boats and he grew up uh around it because his dad was a fisherman there you know he's from seattle area um but he kind of learned the ins and outs of it. And, you know, he, he, he worked his way up and he bought a couple boats and these boats are three, $400,000. And then he also got a couple permits. You know, these permits cost about a hundred thousand dollars to fish in Bristol Bay uh, for sockeye. You know, it's the largest salmon fishery, like in the world, it's where the largest population of salmon all go at one point in time, but like before they spawn and make their rounds. But er, this guy, Eric Sabo, um, he's a stay at home dad because his wife was a teacher but he just did the full time. Like, so in the summertime, his kids are at home with his wife and he was a full time fisherman. I mean, he was there for two or three months out of the year and he probably worked 15 to 20 hour days, like every single day. But this guy, you know, he was banking out on at least half a million dollars in those three months every single year. And then he just gets to go home, you know, while, while kids are in school, he just goes, gets to go home and be a stay at home dad. Um, you know, while his, while his wife goes and teaches and his kids go to school, like for the whole school year. So I was just like, 
man, that's a pretty sweet, uh, sweet gig you got going. If you can, you know, put up, put in the work. And, um, so I moved back to Denver and, and, um, you know, didn't really know what I want to do. Started, I was just bartending. My whole thing was like, I'm going to move to Colorado and be, be a snowboard bum for at least a year just because, uh, you know, my brother kind of did that and it's, you know, some of the best skiing in the country. And obviously if I bartend, I can, um, you know, snow, I can work at night and snowboard during the day. And I had some, some, some restaurant experience. I've been, I've done everything from dishwash to, you know, bar back. I used to work at like MTK in Buffalo and Sienna restaurant in Amherst, you know, I was dishwashing there and I was like 15. So yeah. did the bartending thing for a while. And then, um, you know, kind of saw like, wow, this real estate market out here is freaking crazy. Um, you know, I'm sure you, you know, too, it's like you look at a tiny little 1200 square foot house. And if it's, you know, even if it's within 20 miles of Denver, it's, it's worth over half a million dollars. <laughs> you know, same thing, Literally. same thing in Buffalo is, is like maybe a hundred K or, you know, whatever it is. And, um, so the, I saw the rent was kind of crazy and, and the real estate market was going nuts and, um, knew I wanted to do sales Didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I had some family in lending my, uh, my step stepdad's uncle or cousin he's like a big lender in arizona and then my cousin uh, ironically enough hunter the guy who got me on that freaking boat in alaska he's he's been a mortgage really successful mortgage lender in, in tacoma washington for like four years now so um kind of dabbled in that got a job and you know first year sucked was working every weekend didn't make any money was cold calling a bunch of people thinking like, man, why did I do this? I, you know, I have a degree. I could go get a sales job with a comfy salary and, um, not have to do all this bullshit. And then, um, you know, just kind of stuck with it and pandemic hit and rates got low and people were still buying houses and, um, you know, had an awesome year last year and figured I love Colorado, you know, so I bought my first home here, uh, in December um, like I said, I live with two, two of my, uh, best friends from Geneseo, Ian and Sean, Ian actually went to high school. If you probably played against him in high school, he's a little face-off guy. Ian, Ian who? Ian Moser. He was, uh, uh, he was a great, he was a great younger than us, but he, I think he played varsity when he was a sophomore. So you probably played against him. Um, we never, he, he played we never, a year at Geneseo. So I don't know if we actually played you guys. I only knew you from champion. Is that right? Yeah. I was about to say, we never played, we never played Amherst. We played every year we played uh clarence op um we always yeah, you guys were we, class a yeah so we would scrim we scrimmaged hamburg in the beginning of the year and they would always whoop our ass yeah we um, always did we always would do like just a couple out of out of class games like we would play or we always played orchard park um and then we were like b and c when i was a junior senior so we kind of switched but yeah i just real i just remember i was like we never actually played john because i i just knew you from playing champion with like you know gowan and, and cooper and those guys yeah, no, that sucks that what happened with Gowan because Gowan was a monster too. Oh, I know, really man. Good. Yeah, he, I mean, he, that was Joe Smith. He was he was giving us you know private lessons um, when uh, you know we were when we were getting recruited in high school, and Gowan got me a lot better because it was just me versus him. You know, he's an All American uh, defender at Amherst, um, and yeah. then of course, yeah, I went to Rutgers and fucked up his back, and um, man, he's had he's had quite the journey. He's he's actually in grad school right now in, in North Carolina. Um, he, he, he transferred, he graduated from Cornell and finished up there and got a Cornell degree. Um, but he's actually studying real. he's, he's studying like real estate in grad school, which is, which is crazy. Think about, um, yeah, I got to talk to him about it. Cause he was asking me, I was like, dude, you should totally go for it. He's doing like more commercial stuff though. Not residential. I was, I was about to say, I feel like if you take it, if you learn about it in college and do it that route, it's more like commercial and like investment side and stuff like that but call that a call that a small world he's in carolina now and then he went to he got he yeah went to cornell but... yeah he's a legacy there his dad was in like sigma chi i think was a fraternity so and i yeah, went to visit that... him when I, I was at geneseo and i had like one of the best weekends of my life at, at cornell <laughs> that's funny you say that because um brian the, how you got better playing against gowan that's how i was with brian Sullivan. like he would always just I couldn't even do a move without my stick. Oh, dude, fine. I remember. Yeah, we played against. Uh, or no, was it Sully? It was did he go to UNC? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he went. Yeah, to yeah, UNC, yeah. And then he and then he transferred to Cornell, and then because he went to Timon though, right? Yep. Yeah, because we played against him in high school. Timon was one of those like out of class teams that we played. We played against. I think it was like him, and they had like Chris Kane and you know, a couple other good guys. Uh, Demillo Fields, Recor. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Jackson Brown, dude, they slaughtered everyone in Buffalo. Yeah, no, they were. That was, uh, 
yeah, that was a fun game. I mean, they worked us, but it was fun to see. I mean, I was a sophomore, and it was like, you know, Garrett Augustin. He was a four-year starter at Binghamton. And uh-huh. Clifton and Steve and Garrett and Brian Lawson going up against those guys. So that was fun to watch. But, um, yeah, man, man, it's just funny. It brings me back. And the biggest thing, too, like, I, so when I was at Onondaga, I was on the second offense, obviously. I wasn't on the first team offense. But in pra- we would just practice every day. And it was first offense versus second defense second offense versus the first defense and I was like you know I was one of the better Dodgers on the second offense so it was Mm -hmm. like me versus me versus Tyson Bell that kid just destroyed me every day in practice and it got me a lot better I mean when I got it's funny you say that because way more I was dodging I just saw a little uh PLL clip that the I'm not sure who he's playing for this year but I saw he's on the cannons Okay, that's what I thought. I thought it was the Cannons because yeah. I saw a little um, – because when I went and stayed with Frank uh, out in Philly, they were playing the Calgary Roughnecks, and he plays – he played – I don't know if he still plays for Calgary. No, well, he got traded. But, yeah, he got he got a ring with Calgary. He was there for a okay. while. Yeah, he, um, <clears throat> he was playing Calgary at the time, and, like, he probably has no clue who the fuck I am. But, like, I met him briefly because, like, you know how lacrosse is. Like, everyone knows each other. Um, but it's funny you bring him up because I was watching a little clip of the PLL today. And I saw him, like, while they were doing, like, a huddle before one of the scrimmages. And he – I don't know if he was mic'd up or someone around him was mic'd up, but he – Yeah, no, like, I think he is, yeah. Yeah, he was like, I'm going to slash the fuck out of someone today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is definitely – he's a bit of a hack, but he's a great player. He's an awesome dude, too. You know, he's got such a such a passion for the game. Uh, me and Tyson had some some fun times, um, you know, on the hill at Onondaga. Um, and then the other thing, too, um, is – uh, I coach out here, uh, which has been a ton of fun. Um, never really knew if I was going to get into coaching. You know, I, I knew lacrosse is my passion and, and, um, you know, I want to be around the game as much as possible. I've been playing and coaching, you know, since I'm, since I graduated, you know, a lot of people after playing college across, they're like, Oh man, I'm never getting slashed again. I'm never going to pick up my stick again. But, um, you know, I, I still try to play twice a week. I play box out here. I play men's field leagues. Um, I'm organizing a team for the Vail shootout that my company Spire Financial is sponsoring. They're getting us jerseys um, and, and everything. Thanks to Matt Bocklet, actually, he's got a you know, New Balance hookup through Team 91. So he got us a, a nice discount on those. Um, but, yeah, I've been coaching for Cherry Creek. They're state champions out here. Um, again, shout out Matt Bocklet. He's, uh, he's the varsity head coach there, and he, he kind of got me on, um, you know, on the squad when I moved here like three or four years ago. And um, that's an awesome program. They have so much support. There's – it's crazy. They have like over a hundred kids in their program. Their, their school is like as big as Geneseo. So that was a bit of a culture shock for me coming from a, you know, class BC high school that's smaller and, you know, only had JV and, and the varsity team. And, you know, Creek has two JV teams and a freshman team and a varsity team where they cut juniors and seniors every year. So that's insane. Um, yeah, man. It's wild. It's like, if you're not, cause they, you know, they had last year, super unfortunate too they would have won the state championship again uh they had 22 seniors graduate you know after their season got cut short because of covid and i think like 11 of those of those seniors were playing like division one or high level division two like one kid just just got a ring with rit there's another kid at tufts they got a handful of du guys a couple tampa guys you know they're 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 a, a great program and uh fun to watch nonetheless but um, so I've been coaching for them and, you know, I did some travel team stuff too. And then I do private lessons, um, just with this, this two group of guys. It's, it's actually funny. I, I was getting my wisdom teeth pulled out like two years ago <laughs> and I'm wearing a cherry Creek lacrosse polo. Cause I think I came from the office that day or something. And, uh, the, the surgeon and the doctor who's, t- who's about to take my wisdom teeth out. He's like, Hey, uh, did you play cherry Creek? And I was like, Oh no, I'm, I'm from Buffalo, but I coached there. He's like, Oh, this, uh, I, I used to have this guy, Coach Spangler. He he gave private lessons to my kids. We stopped returning my phone calls, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I know Spangler. Well, you know, I'll I'll, I'll coach your kids. Like shit, I'll return your phone call." <laughs> yeah, no. So, really. um, yeah, I started coaching these two young boys, like eight and nine or nine and ten years old, and um, you know, at, at first it was just you know it was just like a, you know, when I had time, and he kept asking me, and I was busy. I was snowboarding a bunch, and then the pandemic happened and like everything shut down and they were at school and he was like, Hey man, now, now can we do it? And we can, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, so had a few lessons and you know, these kids like could, couldn't even throw and catch. I was like, Oh, this is going to be fucking brutal. Um, but we played wall ball for, you know, every week. And, and, um, you know, I, I had my little box net, I'd, I'd bring it up to the field and, and we'd shoot on it. And, 
um, they got so much better. It was really cool to see because um, he's like, man, I always wanted to get him into a cross, but they're kind of not confident because they don't know how to catch and throw. And um, so I got him in, you know, did a ton of private lessons with them for a few months. And then I got super busy with work. I was like, Corey, I can't do this anymore. You know, call me in a couple months. Mm-hmm. And he called me back like two months later and he's like, Dan, you won't believe it. My kids got so much better. They're having so much fun. And that made me feel good. I was like, man, I could be a full-time coach one day. Like, that, I go coach these kids, and it's like, it's not work. You know, I'm, I'm playing lacrosse with kids. So much fun. And um, he calls me back. He's like, hey, can you, can, you, can you do a lesson? Like, can we, do, can we pick up again maybe once every two weeks? And I was like, Corey, I'm, I'm still slammed with work. Like, I'm 100% commission. It's my priority. He's like, all right, what if I pay you double? I was like, okay, yeah, I guess we can. <laughs> you can't turn that down. Uh, two hundred bucks an hour, sure. Yeah, I can squeeze in, you know, uh, once every couple of weeks. You know, that's my that's my, my beer and weed and grocery money. <laughs> yeah, no, literally. <laughs> now, um, prior prior to going, you know, I I kind of want to like rewind a little bit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh, with Onondaga, obviously, like you know, from the travel the travel across that we played and all the kids that were on our champion team, there was like a there was some pretty good talent there. And yeah. one thing that you pointed out to me that you were talking about when you were, you know, discussing like your journey in lacrosse and stuff like that was you were saying that you knew you didn't want to play, you know, D one, D two because you didn't want to have it being a full time job. Now was OCC they they were they pretty much run the JUCO. Yeah, and they did. Obviously... Not so much anymore. With the yeah, they got a new coach, and Nassau's kind of taking over again. But yeah, no. They when I was there, they were you know we were the team to beat. We didn't lose a single game. We were blown out teams like thirty to five. Exactly. So is there a do you is there a lot of kids that um and I know this is something I'm going to ask Larson too when he comes on. But like, is there yeah. a is there a lot of kids that you see that like have the talent to play at that high level, but they just like. I not and not saying this in a bad way. They're just like, yo, I'm not trying to put in that much work and it, it yeah, man, time consuming. Because well, you know, Tyson when... Bell is a perfect example. I mean, kids that shy away from school too. You know, it's tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and you know, I wish uh, there's a there's a podcast. I forgot what the podcast is called. They do one with Chuck Wilbur. Um, you know, OCC is such a it's such a blue collar school. You know, you get these kids that either you know they had D1 offers, but you know, you have to have a certain SAT score to get past that NCAA clearinghouse to pay to play mm-hmm. Division One, Division Two. So, so many insane athletes that you know didn't have the SAT scores to play D one, D two, NCAA, or you know maybe they they failed to draw. Like there was a kid um, who he was getting recruited by like Notre Dame and like all these awesome ACT schools, and um, he went he played at the Hill Academy in Canada. Ended up going to where the hell did he go? Um, he went to like Hofstra or not Hofstra, uh, Delaware. He went to the University of Delaware and he failed a drug test and he ended up at Onondaga. And then he freak athlete. He's like a six foot two, or just a horse of a midi. And then he ended up at Stevenson. I'm pretty sure he won a national championship with that. You know, there's so many kids and that, you know, for example, me got kicked off their team because their coach didn't like them. Still mm-hmm. wanted to play. Didn't necessarily know you know, what path they were going to take, but Onondaga is just, you know, it's a great, it is such an awesome school. I can't recommend it enough to people that, to kids that might not know what they want to study or if they don't know how much, you know, they want, don't want to go into a ton of student debt, but they still want to have an incredible experience. You know, it's a great opportunity to kind of bridge that gap, you know, cause you, you learn a lot about yourself when you're 18 to 20 years old, you know, you might go play two years, maybe get a ring and decide, oh, college isn't for me. Or, you know, then you have an associate's degree or maybe you go to a trade school or maybe you're like, you know, oh, I really do love lacrosse. And, you know, I want to go play Division One and try to get some money to play or or maybe you're, you know, kind of like me, like, man, I love lacrosse and I, and I want to play and I want to get playing time on a team and get a really good academic degree. So, you know, maybe I'll go to Geneseo or, or Middlebury or Tufts or something like that. Yeah, I always wondered that because one of my buddies, Ben Brooks, he was he was an All-American. He played with me at Mercyhurst. And when I had him on one of the earlier episodes, that was one of the things when we were talking about, like, you know, how, what, what made you decide on Mercyhurst? That was one of the things he said. He's like, bro, he's like, I knew he's like, I he's like, I wasn't trying to play D1, bro. He's like, I was not trying to do all that work. Uh, and he's a very like he's a very hardworking kid. But, like, he was just, like, that time commitment, I was not trying to do. It's and nuts, like when dude. I... And if you actually – it's, like, how do you balance, you know, a full-time Division One lacrosse schedule with, like, actually going to school and having a social life? Like, that's that's tough. 
Well, it's hot. It was crazy to me because we would be in like the fall, we'd be doing 5 a.m. And by the time you get done with like your class, your lift, your individuals and like everything you had to do, you, your day is like sometimes 5 a.m. until like midnight. Yeah, I know. I remember. I, I remember cause it, at, at NDNU and we were the one of the worst division two schools, you know, in the country, but we still had that same schedule and regiment. And I, we had two days. I would have to wake up early, go to practice in the morning. And then go straight from practice to the cafeteria because it was the only time it was open to get breakfast. And then go straight to class, like stinking in lacrosse sweat because yep. I didn't have time. Fucking. And then it's like I go home and take a shower. Oh, you got your next classes in 50 minutes, so you can't even like take a nap, you know. And then and then you go to your class all that, and then you got to go to practice in the afternoon. And then you know practice ends at six o'clock. Cafeteria is done at six thirty or seven, so you better hustle up that hill and get your dinner, or you're going to the fucking jack-in-the-box or taco bell and spending money that you don't have (laughs) exactly so it's like when i got to mercyhurst that was like the biggest thing that i noticed outside obviously like the like the the play and stuff like that but it was like i would say the time commitment was so less than what it was at hobart like at hobart it was just like non-stop compared to like what it was at mercyhurst so like obviously like as i get older and stuff and like looking back like i didn't know any because i didn't really like because the only kids that I knew that were playing D1 were, like, Sully, who was going to UNC, and then, like, pretty much, like, like Chris Kane was at Syracuse, and then, like, Maloney and Wagner went to Mercyhurst and stuff like that. But Mercyhurst at the time, when they were playing, they won a national Wagner, championship. Wagner, that, that guy could have gone anywhere. He was so good. You talk about oh, that, huh? Andrew, Andrew Wagner? Yep. And, yeah. um, and so, like, that's the thing. Like, I only knew, like, the kids playing in college across at the time were, like, either at Mercyhurst winning a D2 natty or playing in the ACC. So I was just like, oh, okay, I don't really know anyone that's at a D3 or JUCO school. So I'm just assuming that this is what college lacks is like. So, yeah. like, I now that, like, I know these things and, like, I've talked to people and stuff, I've always wondered, like, there has to be, like, teams, like, at JUCO or D3 and stuff where they have ballers. But it's just, like, the kids just straight up don't want to commit to that full regiment schedule, which is fine of playing lacrosse. Yeah, so I always wonder. I mean, perfect example. Saying? I was going to say perfect example of, of, of just like, you know, the, how, how much of a talent discrepancy there isn't like, you know, Kevin Rogers, he was uh, he played at Lynchburg. He was division three player of the year at Lynchburg. La- uh, 2019, I guess. Yeah. Cause 2020 didn't happen. He transferred to High Point and got all like I'm pretty sure he got All America honorable mention at High Point this year, like as a grad as a grad transfer, like and he you know he played at Lynchburg for three years, <laughs> just crazy. Well, that's kind of like that kid that's on uh, I don't even know his name, but he's on Virginia and he just won a national championship of Virginia. He was a transfer from Merrimack. Oh yeah, Charlie was Bertrand. Like, yeah, he was yep. like D two Player of the Year at, and he won two Natty Chips at, at Merrimack and uh, yeah, and then just got another ring at, at UVA. Yeah, and he, like, starts for UVA, too, which is crazy. Yeah, no, I think he scored a couple goals in that title game versus Maryland. But, yeah, man, now, I mean, it's nuts. And, um, what were you going to say? I was going to say next was um, now, like, even, like, rewinding it a little more because, you know, I myself have, like, hopped around and done, like, you know, I've gone to different colleges and I've hopped city to city doing all these crazy things. Kind of like what you were saying, from the time that you – you know, first, I don't want to say fucked up, but the the time that you first like let your grade slip to where you left your first college to where you are now in Denver and all those stops along the way, what, was there anything that like changed your perspective in the sense of like, okay, I want to keep doing this or were like you like, okay, I got to figure out a place to stay yeah, or like, you know, of, like what was your mentality like, with that? I don't know. I mean, it, I, I kind of went through a, a few cycles of, um, you know, kind of like get your fucking shit together and, and, and prove people wrong. Um, you know, like, uh, even like in high school, you know, my dad died in a plane crash when I was 16 and I kind of went down a dark path and, um, you know, I was not going to school a lot. I was smoking a ton of weed. I was, I was driving around drunk all the time. I got a horrible DUI. Um, when I was 18 senior, you know, I spent spring break in, in, in the Erie County holding center, my senior year, cause I failed a drug test and I had to spend seven days in the Erie County holding center and that changed my life. I had, I was in drug court for eight months. I had to go to mandatory AA meetings. Um, you know, cost me like $10,000. I lost my license for a year and a half. And the only way uh, drug court was a year long program is, uh, New Year's Eve, my senior year. Um, when I totaled my car, 
supposed to be a year long program. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to, to drug court every Tuesday and I did the, the outpatient thing at Brylin and they, um, you know, the, my attorney, Lenny Krawcheck, he got me, you know, he, the way I got out of drug court early was he, he showed the judge my scholarship letter and he was like, let this kid go to California and play college across. Like he's passed the curriculum and, you know, then I had an opportunity to go, you know, I finished it early and that was like, holy shit. Um, you know, don't, don't stay in Buffalo, like go out, go back out West, do what you've always wanted to do, play lacrosse in college. Um, and I had such an awesome time, was so happy. It was, you know, it was almost like I had too much fun from, from that summer up until, you know, I guess the spring semester and, you know, I wasn't going to class. I got in trouble, you know, with weed in my dorm and, and partying and, and, you know, at that point it was like, all right, like get your shit together, Dane. Like you're not, you know, it, it almost felt like I was kind of back in a dark hole, like with the, with the DUI and, um, you know, and then, you know, getting kicked off the team. Um, it sucked. I mean, that, that coach was such an asshole. He, he pulled me in his office and he was like, you're never playing college across again. I'm going to tell every single coach you're such an asshole and no one's going to take you. And, uh, you know, I left his office bawling, crying. I'll never forget it. Um, and then, um, you know, at that point it was like, okay, well, turn this shitty situation into something great, just like you did when you were in drug court and, you know, you get, you had the UI. And so I thought, wow, on a dog, you know, that's, man, I, I'll go there and I'll get it. And everyone on my team at California was like, you're not going to make that fucking team, dude. Those, that team is so nasty, like good fucking luck. Um, so that was another kind of like, you know, hunch I had, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, to prove people wrong and, and, and turn my shit around. So I don't want to, um, I don't mean to cut you, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just like, I just wanted to, you know, kind of like pick before you continue, I wanted to pick your mindset a little bit when yeah. shit like that comes up. Are you the type of person where you are like, okay, I just need one person to say something to me. And that's all I need to hear. Kind of like how in uh, the, the last dance, the Jordan documentary that aired during yeah. quarantine, he uh-huh. said, he goes, oh, you guys think Carl Malone's the MVP? Got it. I took that personally. That's all I needed to hear. Or were you more so of like, you need to get, sh- you need shit to get so bad before you're actually like, okay, I got to get my shit together. Or like, where, like, where do you get that? Like, I would say like you cultivate that motivation to get shit back on track and then do it even better than what you originally had planned to do it. Yeah. You know, I don't really know. I don't, I don't think it was like a certain point in time. Um, I think it was just me, you know, taking a break from, from the partying and, and kind of thinking about my future and thinking like, okay, do you want me the kid that got kicked off his D2 team in California and like failed out of college and stayed in Buffalo and, you know, drank his whole life or do you want to make something of it? Do you want to like tell your kids or, you know, the kids that you coach way later in life, like something shitty happened to me. I, I could have gone down one path or the other, but, you know, I, I put my nose to the grindstone and I figured out what I had to do to, to make a good future to my, for myself. And, you know, I, I want to think back and be like, man, I'm glad I did that. I don't want to think back and think about like, oh, what, what could have been, you know, like, man, I, you know, I, I maybe could have done this or that, you know, I just think it's like you got one life to live, fucking live it and, and go for it. You know, I don't think there's really a set point in time, but it's just kind of me seeing my surroundings, you know, seeing other people succeed and, and have sex success around me. And then, you know, once I got to, to Onondaga, it was like, man, all these, these kids are, they're turning around, they're getting scholarships, they're going to four year school. It was like, I want to do that. You know, it, it was like a disease. It was contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I got to Geneseo and it was like, man, all of these kids are, you know, the, the group of guys on the Geneseo lacrosse team were a lot different from the group of guys on the Onondaga lacrosse team. You know, I'm sure as you can imagine just in terms of, no, um, you of know, course, how of they course, carry themselves yeah. and how much they, they care about their academics and, and, you know, everything else. And it was like, you know, now I'm surrounded by all these guys that are way smarter than me and push me to be a better person, not only on the lacrosse field, but in the classroom and, and just as a person, um, you know, and then, you know, I came to Denver and I saw all these awesome job opportunities and all these people killing it in different industries. And, and I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity that has kind of been, kind of been presented to myself. So. And I mean, you're in, you're in coaching now you're coaching lacrosse. So we can, we can segue that into a second. But um, one thing I'm interested in is how do you, how did you, um, how did you, like you said, you put your nose to the grindstone. You were just like, you know, I don't want to look back and be like, oh man, what if this, what if that, 
how did you start to separate yourself from the current situation that you were in at the time? Because as I'm sure you had a lot of friends that were probably still going out partying and doing all these things. And then like at first when you were just like, Hey, I'm going to, even though you didn't maybe vocalize it and we're like, Hey, I'm going to take a different path. Like your actions spoke to that. Um, you probably had a lot of kickback from people or even like a lot of people being like, like you said, like, dude, good fucking luck. Like that ain't happening for you. How do you, you know, like in, how, how do you, how, how do I want to ask this? How do you um, in, put that into words for kids when you're coaching? Cause I'm sure there's a lot of kids that are like, Oh coach, I want to play at the D one level or oh, coach. I want to do this. I want to do that. But their current situation doesn't map to what they're saying. So it's like, how do you give that kid the confidence that you had to give yourself to change course and, you know, make something of yourself? You know, I don't know. I should probably think about that more, but you know, I always just tell kids, you know, I never tell kid a, a, a dream is, is too high. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of cliche, but it's just really, for me, it's just like, never give up and fucking shoot for the moon. Like if you fall, you're going to land upon the stars. You know, if you go hard and, and, and you work out and, and you do all the right things and, and you shoot and you run and you put in the extra work and you go as hard as you possibly can, you know, sure. You might not get that offer letter to, to Denver university or, you know, but, but you might get, you might get a look at, you know, Colorado college one of the great division three teams in the top 20 that made it pretty far in the tournament this year. Um, and then, and then, you know, it's not like all that work is for nothing. You're a better lacrosse player. You put your all into it and you know, the, the best came of it that could have been, um, you know, so I, I don't know, you know, I don't really have, I wish I had a better answer for you, but um, that's just the, you know, I'm, that's just what I tell kids, you know, just don't, don't ever sell yourself short because you never know, um, you know, where life can take you. And do you, like, because of the situations you were in and stuff like that, did you find that it gave you, like, confidence in coaching? Or when you first started coaching, were you just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely think it did. Like, you know, you go back and, and you look at, you know, my stats. I didn't score a ton of goals. I didn't have a ton of points in college. Um, but the experiences that I went through, um, you know, I think more or less off the lacrosse field really helped me grow, you know, as a man and, and kind of, was able to battle difficult obstacles, whether it's, you know, dad passing away in 16, getting, you know, getting a DUI or, or getting kicked off my college across team or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I think that, um, that stuff, it, it holds true in life. And that, you know, I thought too, like, man, these free kids are good that, you know, they, shit, they might look me up and see that I, I didn't like, you know, I wasn't all American or, or all this and that. Um, but you know, after that first year, I kind of gained confidence because I felt like I connected with the kids and, you know, I, I feel like just, you know, my attitude and, and kind of how I present myself and, and go about daily life, um, you know, just with confidence and, and uh, you know, trying to see the bright side of things is just is a good way to, you know, to go into anything, whether it's lacrosse or work or, or you know, relationships or anything like that. And do you do you share like any I mean, obviously, you're not like sharing everything with these kids, but like, you know, sometimes like kids think that like, oh, it's a coach, like he can't possibly relate to me or he can't relate to my Yeah, man. I mean, like, two, like I think it was like three years ago, I was coaching the freshman team. Um, and, you know, um, our head coach, who was like his nephew was on the team and, and he didn't have parents. Like, I think something I don't know what happened. I didn't, I didn't dig that deep. But he, he his his uncles were his uncle and his aunt were raising him and uh, got into weed and like mispracticed a couple times and um you know i could they were like oh it's tough he doesn't have like a father figure or whatever and you know i pulled his name is song i pulled him aside and i was like hey man you know I've, I've been there it sucks but you know doing what you're doing is not um you know not the path you should be taking you should take advantage of this you know use lacrosse as fuel you know if you're pissed off about family like go go hit the wall, go shoot. You know, that's what I did when I was pissed off. And, you know, if I couldn't vent to my mom, she was working two jobs, you know, she was working at the restaurant all night and I would ride my bike or walk down to the Amherst middle school and freaking play wall ball in the freezing cold just to get my mind off of shit, you know, instead of going and hanging out with people I shouldn't be hanging out with or, you know, doing stuff I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you're still coaching now, right? Yep. Yeah. I just, I, I just got, uh, back a couple hours ago from Cherry Creek coaching the JV red team. Um, and then I still do still try to do some private lessons here and there when work permits. And then I'm not sure I did. I coached a 91 team um, 
for Bakla in the fall. That was super fun, actually. Or in the winter, we flew out to Arizona and played a tournament there. But I'm not too sure what he's got planned for the summertime. So, no, of course not. And and now, like, how did you, you know, kind of, we're starting to go all over the place. But like, it, well, um, how did you? You're doing mortgages, right? You're doing that now, correct? Yep. Yeah, that's my full time job. And how did you get into that? So, so you said cousin, you always knew you, yeah. you okay, so like my I, cousin, I know you yeah, said my cousin, he got me into it. Um and again, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know. I knew I wanted to do mortgages cuz just like a couple family members told me I'd be good at it and it's a lucrative market and um yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough especially, you know, I think it's like 10% of people that get their mortgage lending or their real estate license. They they still have it and continue to do it full time after the first year. Um and even too, you know, in a market where I don't have any family in Colorado, you know, I don't, I can't do my girlfriend's loan or my mom's loan. Um, you know, not my, my high school friends aren't, I mean, some of them are out here. Um, but, you know, really just kind of saw how much money was being made in the industry and, you know, just did everything to a T that my boss told me to do, whether it was go to five open houses every weekend or call every single person you know and tell them what you do or cold call you know 10 realtors a day um i kind of just did it because i didn't really know what else to do and then you know worked super hard and then um you know dominoes started to fall and and um you know stuff started to happen started to see some success and i just want to continue to build on that and double it next year and triple it the year after that and you know maybe do mortgages for 10 10 or 15 or 20 years and then i'm just going to be a full-time lacrosse coach and you know do what i love until i die (laughs) absolutely now did you you know kind of going back to like you know we touched on before we started recording about the um about uh the lacrosse aspect or not the lacrosse aspect what the fuck am i saying about the school aspect and stuff like that is there anything that whether it's from a personal finance standpoint or just like what you've learned in the business of real estate because um i want to talk a little bit more, more about that is there anything that like you've learned since you know being a professional in the real estate industry or the mortgage industry that you look back and you're like fuck man i wish i would have known this earlier or, or wait a second i don't understand why it's not being taught in high school or none yeah 100 percent in college um i think 100 percent it should be credit people we don't learn about credit in high school we don't learn about it in college it's so fucking stupid and credit is so big like when you buy a house when you buy a car um you know for mm-hmm. example I didn't know what credit was before I got a mortgage, you know, two and a half years ago, you know, I had two late pay- payments on a credit card and I was just like, you know, whatever, it's a late payment. I'll, I'll pay it. It's, you know, and this was like two, this was like three, four years ago. Like when I was in college before I got a mortgage and started to go through, I mean, I can read a credit report very thoroughly now, you know, I help my clients improve their credit scores so we can lock in better interest rates. You know, I, I've, I've gotten really good at kind of knowing the ins and outs of credits of credit. And, um, it's just so much harder to build your credit up than to tear it down. You know, those two late payments I had on a credit card, they put me in like the 600s and I was trying, I bought a house last year. And so I talked to an expert and, you know, luckily my mom helped me out, got added as an authorized user on a couple of her longstanding accounts and she's got perfect credit and paid off all my credit cards. And, you know, I got into like the 700s and it was able to lock in a really good rate. Um, but it's just crazy, man. I mean, I talked to so many people that have no idea how, their credit affects them and how much money they can save if they just made their payments over time, you know, on time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like, I mean, that's kind of how I capitalize and, you know, why I'm good at what I do because I I walk people through the first time home buying process and I hold their hand and I answer every single question, you know, on weekends and late at night because people go get approved for a mortgage and they're like, it's overwhelming and it's confusing because nobody knows about you know the debt to income ratio and and your credit score and how it can affect you and you know monthly liabilities and and um you know it's just crazy you know that those install like student loans you know that affects affects your credit score nobody's been paying us for quite some time but it's just i think it it just blows my mind like i was like whoa this is my life this is my money and i'm now just learning about this because i got into an industry that is related to it and you know i was what 25 when i found that out and you know really you should learn about that before you turn 18 (laughs) no exactly it's uh funny you say it because i the exact same thing like once i started getting into the industry and i started being around specific people and 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 uh you know being mentored in the business and stuff like that it was almost like i thought i was being fucked with in a way because i was just like wait a second how Wait, you do you do what again? You make how much? You have what yeah. customer properties? 
you you do that wait wait your your income pays for this and that and then your nine to five is building your retirement like wait a second time out and then they started to teach me these things and i'm that was the number one thing it was just like i don't understand why we're not learning any of this stuff in school and then i mean we all we obviously know why we're not but then on top of it um i work with a great deal of first-time home buyers and deal a lot of them are always just like oh i didn't know my credit needed to be this or i didn't know if i paid off this credit card or i didn't know or the, that no the I... best is when you'll get someone who's like oh well my credit karma score says i'm at a 850 so like i know it's good it's like oh, <laughs> yeah God, here no, we go again yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly or when uh the best is when people will you know hit me i don't i don't know if you deal with this as much but like i'll get i'll tell people you know i need to i need a pre-approval before did you get pre-approved because you know without you know, pre-approval, it's like going to the mall and saying you can afford to buy a pair of sneakers, but you don't have a wallet. So you don't really know how much you can and can't afford. But yep. then, and they're like, well, I got my pre-qualification. It's like, no, 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 you need a pre-approval. Some yeah, lenders, big difference. Yes. Some That's lenders, the biggest lie, biggest lie in real estate is I'm pre-approved. Well, uh, oh, 100%. And the thing is, too, is that some some lenders do do their approvals via pre-qualification. But for the most part, like a lot of people think they're qualified and they're like, oh, I could buy up to 250. I could do this. But then when they actually get pre-approved, it's like, oh, no, you can only buy like 180. And it's like because your debt to income ratio is at a certain percentage and stuff. And the one thing that I want you to kind of expand on and talk more about just from the credit aspect is that, you know, people – People, I find, I think it's kind of crazy. Like, obviously, some people have hundreds of, uh, like, over $100,000 worth of student loan debt and shit like that. But, like, they, my one buddy, uh, whose, na- whose name will be nameless, but he had to refinance his student loans because he was essentially paying a second rent for how much money they were charging him every single month. And, and yeah, and, like, he was saying, he's just like, dude, he's like, most people are like, oh, student loans, you'll have them for life and stuff. But, like, I'm paying seven, eight, nine hundred dollars $900 a month, like, if I was to not have that payment and I was putting that payment into like, say a compounded interest fund and something like that, you know how much money I would have in 20 to 30 years. And yeah, it, it's, and you know, I'll leave, I'll leave that part with you and you can kind of pick it up from there, but it's just like that whole credit aspect. Um, do you think that like, we're purposely not taught that or like, what do you think the main reason is for like us? Man, not, like, I don't know. I, th- there could be, it's like, are, are the universities monopolizing because all these kids are just going to what everybody does. And uh, you know, and then it's like, <laughs> now you're stuck with all the student loan debt. I don't know, man. There's so many, that could, this conversation goes so many different ways. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, maybe, you know, well, but then if people didn't go to, if they learned about credit, maybe they wouldn't go to college and then there would be a lot more home buyers because there'd be people with less debt who make more money out of college. But then you got the other hand, it's like, oh, well, those people are going to make a stagnant salary for the next 10 or 20 years. Whereas people that get degrees and level up and get, you know, more and more degrees, they make more over time. Um, but I don't know, dude, I just think I, I wish I had an answer for you as to why we don't learn about the shit that we should learn about. Um, I think it's just kind of like a culture thing, you know, it's like, you know, everybody, oh, you got to get a four year degree to get a good job, or you're just going to be doing some grunt bitch work for the rest of your life. But then it's like, you go to a school and, you know, you get a degree and you're, you're 80k in debt. And you're stuck with that for however long and, you know, you can't, you can't afford to invest in like what you're saying, you know, like a money uh, the mutual money fund or, or something, you know, whether it's, or a retirement account or, or something, because you're stuck with all this monthly debt. So mm-hmm. I don't know, man, I wish, I wish I could, I wish I had a better answer for that one too. But um, I hope, I hope the curriculum starts to change here sometime and in the future. Now, when you, uh, when you're working with first time home buyers or like you have people that are coming to you for the first time that are first time home buyers, what or no let me rephrase that how about this when if you know if you had a uh, a set of first-time home buyers that are come to you what are the top three things that you try to advise them on that they may not necessarily know um biggest thing is like do not buy anything um do not buy a car do not open new lines of credit um do yeah i guess that that's the biggest thing the other thing is rates change every day you know especially in the economy like right now um you know you could be approved for something today and then next month you might be approved for something that's thirty thousand dollars less because the rates Mm -hmm. got worse 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, yeah, the big thing is just, you know, no, do not open any trade lines. Don't, don't spend money after you get approved. Um, second thing is what you're approved for today might not be what you're approved for next month. Could be a lot worse. Could be better sometimes. Probably, probably not this year with the economy recovering. And then um, the third thing is I would say it's not as scary as you think. It's not, you know, getting approved for a mortgage is no obligation. It doesn't cost you any money. All, all it does is it's a hard pull on your credit, but you know, it, it's, it's really no obligation and, and don't feel as scared or, or overwhelmed as, as you, as you might be from the start. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, wrapping, wrapping it up before I start asking you a bunch of questions, what, um, how, what would you recommend if someone was like, Hey, I'm, I have an interest in real estate or I have an interest in mortgages and stuff like that. Like, or they're thinking about doing, you know, your line of work, what would be things that you advise against it and things that you push them for it? So like, what would be like the pros and cons of the business? I would say, um, you know, it, don't do it unless you're a hundred percent committed. You cannot, you cannot go into this industry half ass. Um, I would say maybe don't do it unless you know someone. It's so hard to get into this industry. There are so many people that have their mortgage license or real estate license and don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, and it's just, just like it is in Alaska, you know, 20% of the boats catch 80% of the fish. So same thing with real estate, 20% of the realtors get 80% of the business, same thing with mortgage lenders. So you really want to learn from somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, who has experience. And I mean, it's, it's a commitment. The first year sucks. You are going to get a lot of doors slammed in your face. You're going to get a lot of phone calls hung up on you. Uh, you just got to have thick skin. And, you know, if you can get past that first year and, and find someone to teach you, you know, how to be good, um, you know, the possibilities are endless. The sky's the limit. There's no income cap. There's no, you know, I make my own schedule. I go, I go coach lacrosse, you know, almost every day. I, I, set, I set meetings with realtors. I can take off any day I want to go golf or go snowboard. Um, but then again, yeah, I'm always working on the weekends. I always have people asking me for approval letters. Sometimes I'm approving people, pulling credit on the weekends. Um, so, you know, my office phone is my cell phone, which kind of sucks sometimes, but, um, you know, with the, the way I live life, it's, I think it's, it's worth it in the long run. Yeah. Now, um, couple, couple last things before we, you know, we, we ended here, but you know, what would you say has been, you know, probably like the biggest learning lesson that you've had to learn, you know, whether, you know, someone helped you learn it or it was, you know, you learned it by cultivating it through yourself, just from your experience from moving around all the stuff and getting out of Buffalo. Like what was the biggest like thing you had to learn and like the biggest perspective shift that you've had? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing, you know, to kind of sum it all up from going to California and, and transferring and, and making the leap, not only to Colorado, but into kind of the real estate industry is step out of your comfort zone you know do shit that do shit that makes you uncomfortable because it's going to get you're going to get comfortable at it you're going to get better at it you're going to gain confidence and you know that's how that's how all these people you look up to got to where they got where they are now Mm -hmm. and what is the worst piece of advice and the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten jeez this is tough um <laughs> this is where this is where it gets tough in the, in, in the pod I start, I, I start asking some deep questions here yeah the worst piece damn I, I don't even know if I can like I always think about the worst piece you know worst bad advice I, I just like let I let go one in one ear out the other um but I'm trying to think of a piece of bad advice but, or how about this like rather than saying bad advice like what's something that you hear that is given as advice but like it just it, you just get so annoyed by it because you're just like fuck that that's fucking stupid yeah. Um, like for me, just to give you context, like when people say be realistic, like that drives me crazy because I don't even know what the fuck that means. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I don't know. Um, fuck, it's tough. You know, I always think like, I don't know, I'm such a upfront and a blunt person. So like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of something there. It's like, oh, you know, um, do unto others as uh, what you would want them to do unto you. It's like, 
well that's totally different for every type of person you know like no exactly. i'm gonna tell you how it is like it is to your face whether you like it or not and you know for some people it's like they maybe need something sugar-coated um because you know they might be more sensitive or something like that so um and, and the best piece i don't know best piece of, I mean, i've got a lot of good advice um you know probably have to bring this one back to coach Stefan hen uh from amherst um you know he always says do or do not there is no try just like just like yoda um you know yeah you i was just, just about to say that's like that's what yoda said <laughs> um you know go for it you know step out of your comfort zone if if you're gonna do something give it your all go 100 percent. don't do it half-assed you know do or do not there is no try that's i love that one Yes, I do too. Cause I haven't heard that in a while. And, and, and it's actually, it's fitting. Cause like, I didn't know half the shit that you did. Like I've known you for a while, but I didn't know half the shit that you did about like going to Alaska and like all the yeah. different things that you've done. Um, yeah, and then obviously like one of the last ones I have for you is um, if you could go back in time, I mean, this one you, you, you knew about, but if yeah. you could go back in time and you could meet 18 year old Dane um, today, what would you say to him about, you know, all the ups and downs that you've had in life? And what would you tell him as a, uh, a just something to carry with you moving forward in life? Yeah. Um, you know, first thing I'd probably say is bite your tongue a little bit. Um, you know, I had always had a problem with kind of like authority figures after my dad died and, uh, you know, gotten, gotten some, some arguments with some coaches that I probably shouldn't have gotten with in, you know, just because I was a hotheaded 18 year old. So, um, you know, one, probably bite your tongue and, and two, um, you know, probably, probably just enjoy life a little bit and, and slow down on the partying. You know, I can't tell you how many times I thought I had such an incredible night because I did this and that. And, you know, next morning I'm like, wait, what actually happened? Cause you, you kind of blacked out and you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not always fun. You know, like waking up with a severe hangover to the point where you can't do anything the next day. Um, you know, I'd probably tell myself to slow down on the partying a little bit because, you know, you got your whole life to party, um, but you only get one one high school, one college career, you know, one one post-college. Uh, well, it depends, I guess, on what you do. But um, no, I feel you on that. I'd probably just say, you know, slow down. And and, um, you know, yeah, I think if I if I didn't drink as much or, you know, you know, if I didn't party as much in, in college, I probably would have got a little bit more burn on the field. Um, which, you know, I, I, I was telling these kids today at practice, you know, you only get so many days with your best friends doing the things you love. You know, you guys coaching freshmen, sophomores, I'm like, you have two more years and then you go to college for four years, maybe. And then you're working until, and I, I told the kids, I was like, I'm probably, I miss this shit. Like I, I miss coming out to practice every single day with my best friends. I'm going to put my pads on and go practice with them on Tuesday on our last practice of the year because I miss it so fucking much. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's uh, I don't know if catch 22 is the right thing, but like when you're in it, you're like, man, fuck this. But then the second it gets taken away, you're like, wow, I would do. I'll never forget, man. I that. know after we lost in Niagara, we field and, you know, section semifinals at Amherst and, you know, I, tears came to my eyes and you know when when on daga when we won the national championship i was sad i knew i was going to play with those guys again and, and have a high a championship caliber team like that and when we lost to Cortland and in the suniac semifinal in 2017 you know I, I cried on the way home on the bus you know i'll, I'll never forget how much how much i learned and, and growed and and uh you know the times i had with with my best friends you know doing the thing we love to do every single day yeah, and I actually that brings me up, and this will be the last uh, last question I have from you. I was uh, just talking with uh, one of my good friends recently about we were talking about how a lot of people that go through lifestyle change, especially for athletes, like a lot of them develop like a depression and um, a little bit of a depression or like they like loss of identity because up if you played a, like a collegiate sport and you played it at a high level level, whether it was juco winning a natty or it was d1 d2 d3 you're pretty much playing all of your childhood all of high school you're playing summer nonstop, and then for those that don't go on to play pro or you know anything like that like like you said you're playing with your best friends it just stops and a lot of people have that like loss of identity and totally like dude, said, i totally like, i resonate with that i mean yeah uh-huh 
what that's do you just, like what is your way to navigate that because everyone does it know, differently but like for you for what is me, your way you know i still i still play like i said i play twice a week i play in men's leagues and those are kind of like you know those are my guys those are my, my best friends out here and going to practice even you know that's kind of how i channel it and then the other thing too is i'm such a competitive person i i i think it really helps me stay motivated with work because i'm 100 percent commissioned and i the first few months that i went solo loan officer I fucking hated seeing my name on the bottom of that board with, you know, with the big goose egg. And as I started to, to get more business and build more relationships and get more referrals, started my name, I saw my name start to climb that list. And that was like, oh, man, I'm climbing the depth chart, you know. I'm getting a chance mm-hmm. to, to get on the field and, and actually play. And that just kind of fueled my fire. And, you know, it kind of brought back the competition drive within me to, you know, maybe I'm not scoring goals in lacrosse field, but I'm, I'm closing loans and you know putting a volume so that that was kind of something I, I took out of that for sure and um for anyone that listens to this that whether they have questions you know about lacrosse like someone younger or you know they just have questions about mortgages even though they're not in denver but it's you know it's pretty much all the same it's just different rules and regulations um mm-hmm. where i mean you're not going to plug your your number in here but like where can they find you on uh, social? Like, which check me out on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook, just Dane Bentley. Uh, Instagram, I think, is the same. They're both public. Just you know, add me and shoot me a note. I'm more than happy to talk. You know, whatever, whether it's mortgages or lacrosse or Colorado. If you want to know about the good, uh, the good ski spots out here, I'm open to whatever. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I gotta. Um, I haven't, dude. I haven't snowboarded in so long, but I gotta get back into it. I used to go all the time in high school. Yeah, man, we gotta get you out here next winter. I know, cause uh, my friend, uh, she played lacrosse at Marquette. Grace, she's out in. Uh, she just moved out to Denver, and this past year, she skied for the first time, I believe, in Breckenridge, and she was just like, it was unbelievable. It's a different world, man. I tell you. Uh, yeah. So, but all right, yo, I appreciate. It. I know how busy you are, and I know uh, what your night plans are for tonight. So I gotta, I gotta let you go here. Now, yeah, I so. appreciate it, man. But, yeah, I gotta, but, I gotta watch these abs game. Yeah, I know. So, all right, my man. Well, I appreciate you doing this and taking the time out of your busy day. So we'll, we'll touch base soon. For sure, John. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, looking forward to getting you out here next winter. We'll, we'll get some shredding in. For sure, man. I'll see you. All right. Have a great night, John. Later, man.